imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy that you came to listen to the podcast today because you're going to like it. It's it's delightful. It's it's about a wonderful children's grief book that these two very talented women wrote together. And I, I really enjoyed reading it myself. And I, I think it's it's just perfect for children to have access to this book. So welcome, Catherine and Lacey. And could you each Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what inspired you, where where you got started with that. Catherine, you want to start, please? Sure. I'm Catherine Pendergast. I'm a children's author, and I also work with funeral directors around the state of North Dakota. But that's kind of how I ended up meeting Lacey a couple of years ago. I just happened to be at her funeral home. And we were visiting about some of my other books that I had wrote and published And we were talking about some of the tools and resources for families that have kids during the funeral process. And there just wasn't a lot of books out there. And so we ended up creating a a set of books that help children kind of introduce that someone's passed away or died. um, And then it shows the visitation, funeral, graveside service, and then also gets into grieving mourning activities they can do individually and as a family. And from that, we had so many requests to do a pet version of the books. And so that's really where Goodbye Bella um, came from. That's a wonderful, great inspiration to find a need and fill it. That's just wonderful. Uh, Lacey, could you tell us about you? Yeah, my name's Lacey, and I'm a funeral director in rural North Dakota. And like Kat mentioned, she and I met a few years ago. And her being a children's author and me a funeral director, we got to visiting about what was out there for kids um, in terms of, you know, grief material and and things to kind of help with with death and dying. And we discovered there wasn't a whole lot out there. And that's when we decided to collaborate and and, uh, make these books. Wow, that's so wonderful. I, when when I was reading the the book, I was thinking about my experience as a child that I had a, a beautiful cocker spaniel, and Taffy, and she was she was just a beautiful dog, and I I just loved her dearly. And I came home from school one day, and she wasn't there. And I asked mom and dad where she was, and they said, well, she had a fit, and so they had to put her down. I said put her down where? <laughs> you know, I was young. I, I had no idea what they were talking about and what what a fit was. You know, I my mom said people would throw a hissy fit and that's about the only fit I'd ever heard of and didn't didn't understand how a dog could do that. So and they they just weren't willing to talk to me about it. And I didn't find out until just a few years ago when my sister told me what actually happened and I probably would just as soon have not known what actually had happened, but it was, I remember how traumatic that was that nobody had talked to me about it. And Taffy was a big part of my life. And I I thought, boy, if I could have had this book to read, then it would have really helped. And I love how with the book, you start out 
before the pet dies and, and you're able to, to build up to that and, and what happens and what happened afterwards, it's, it's just beautiful. So can, can you tell us a little bit about how you did that? Yeah, so we, and some of this really came from our real life experience. I had experienced the loss of um, two of my Great Danes, Carmela and Meadow. And Carmela, she was a certified pet therapy dog. So we volunteered with kids in the community. And when she passed away and when Meadow did too, you know, it was pretty tough on me and my son. And so some of the the book is really inspired by our real life experience. And Lacey will probably talk about some of her experience as well. But so the little girl in the book, her name is Charlotte, and she's really worried that she's not going to have the opportunity to say goodbye to Bella because she knows that Bella is sick and um, is not going to be alive much longer. They had gone to the vet and the vet had told them this. And so she decides to take advantage of every moment she has with Bella and say goodbye to her every day and and when she can. And so it, it kind of walks through some of the aging progression that the dog goes through, you know, not wanting to eat or play, having accidents, just some of those real life end of life things. And it might be a child's first experience with death or um, maybe end of life type things. So then Bella ends up passing away and she decides that she does want to see Bella. Her parents kind of let her lead and how involved she wants to be with that. And then they have a, a little celebration of life for her. And then in, in the end, they end up deciding to love again down the road and adopt a new dog. So that's kind of the, the whole story and most of it, I guess. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I love how um, it, to me, what I was thinking when I was reading it is it, I wish I would have had this like before my grandfather died because my grandfather died not too long after my dog Taffy died. Mm-hmm. And so I was really getting things confused and not recognizing what was happening. And again, my parents didn't want to talk about it. I thought, so are you, I'm not going to come home from school one day and you guys aren't going to be here. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think it's so important that we give children the opportunity to see what's, what's really happens in life so that it's not such a surprise to them. And it, I really believe that it, it's, that book is going to help children really be able to deal not only with their pets, but with their families. Absolutely. You know, as adults and parents, we don't know how to talk to our kids. So sometimes we just choose not to, which doesn't help anybody. And that was one of our, our goals with the book was to provide something to help facilitate having that conversation because it's a difficult one to have and we don't know what to say. And so to have this um, can really be beneficial to get that conversation started. Uh, it's really important to the, the talking and the getting started with it. And I, I had a kind of different childhood when I was 13 years old. My dad got an ambulance company, very small ambulance company in a small town. And at that time, you only had to be 14 years old and have an advanced first aid certificate to be an ambulance attendant. So I got put to work right away, and my mom and dad and I 
did all the dispatching of the calls. It, we had a an office like in the backyard and then a phone in the house too. So 24-7, one of us was picking up that phone and dispatching ambulances or and or going out on calls. And our dinner table conversations were quite strange. <laughs> Not like people would normally be talking about at the dinner table because we were talking about what happened and what we could do about it and that sort of thing. And I found that my friends stopped coming over to my house at dinner time because they used to hang out and they didn't want to hear that. And we didn't even realize we were doing it. And and I, I say that because I think a lot of times adults talk about things around children that the, the children really don't understand what they're they're talking about. And something so gentle and beautiful as Goodbye Bella can can really kind of hold their hand through this and show them it's it's absolutely normal it's it's what happens and it's uh, inevitable for everybody that everybody is born and everybody dies at some point and when they can get comfortable with that then it's not so scary anymore yeah and one of our goals too was to help facilitate keeping the conversation open long after the pet dies in the book, they kind of talk about different memories of Bella and they find, figure out just different ways to honor and remember her. And for me, that's really an important piece for my son in our own journey through our grieving process. When he brings up our dogs, we take a minute and we talk about it and we might do an activity to honor and remember our dogs. And to me, that's a pretty beautiful thing that he's able to communicate to me that he's struggling in that moment and missing one of our dogs. Oh, yeah. And, and it's beautiful. I, I really love that, that you're staying in tune and paying attention and not shutting the child out because it's hard for you. Because I think that's what happens a lot of time with the, the families is they, they just don't want to talk about it. I remember asking questions about not not just Taffy, but family members, because my parents were older when I was born, and most of the family was a lot older. And so while my friends weren't losing family members, I was. And I, I felt kind of like the odd person out, and nobody had talked to me about it. I'd ask a question, and they just didn't want to go there. And that was a, a lonely time. I think it's so important to communicate with your children about things. Absolutely. And that was one of the, in the background for me, wanting to to do these books. When I was a child, there was a funeral for a great grandparent of mine that I really wanted to go to. And I didn't know this great grandparent very well at all, but I wasn't allowed to go to the to the service. And at the time, I'm sure my parents were just trying to do what's best and trying to, you know, keep me from seeing and feeling the sadness and being a part of that grief. But for me, I, I wanted to be there. I was curious. Um, I knew who he was and I, I wanted to go. And so when parents over the years always ask me, do you think our kids should come to the funeral? And I always say, absolutely, if they want to, if they want to participate, if they want to view the body, if they want to speak during the visitation, you know, if they want to be a part of things, absolutely let them. That's okay. And if at the, you know, the flip side, if they don't want to participate and they don't really, you know, want a, a big role in it, then don't force it either. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's important. 
it's it's knowing your children right you know knowing what uh how they're dealing with what's going on to start off with and and not pushing when that won't be a good idea or maybe encouraging when it would one of the things that i remember one of the the early deaths uh, the one one of the first funerals i went to because the first few that i wasn't invited <laughs> and that one of the first ones that i went to was an open casket funeral and I wanted to know what was in that box, you know, <laughs> and they said, no, you don't want to know that. You don't want to go up there. You don't want to look. And so I said, OK, they told me I didn't want to. So when I went to a service after that, I always I, I never went up because I was told I didn't want to, that I didn't want to look. And I remember when my my mom died, my sister's nine years older than me. And when my mom died and I was kind of standing when they, they had viewing ahead of time and I was standing across the room where I really couldn't see inside. And somebody said, well, don't you want to come up and see your mom? And my sister goes, no, my Emily doesn't do that. <laughs> I thought, well, thanks to you and the rest of the family, you told me I'm not supposed to. I don't know whether I should have or not. And I always felt this really thought about that. And I guess for the rest of my life, I've kind of chosen not to do that because I choose to remember them as I knew them instead of what they look like then. But it, uh, I felt like I was directed to have those feelings and that that was what I was supposed to do. And I was just following directions. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we're doing that to kids, that, that we're kind of putting on them the feelings that we have or our, our thoughts as opposed to allowing them to figure it out what they want. And, you know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, I think that's really important. Like Lacey said, just letting the child lead in how much or how little they want to be involved. Um, some kids are a little bit more curious or, want more information. And so answering the questions in a simple way that kids can mm -hmm. understand, but not overdoing that either. You know, if they're satisfied with the answer to let that be and not continue until they have more questions and, and answering them. Yes, that's really important. I, I, I did things differently with my children when they were growing up because I, I wasn't happy <laughs> with it, the way it was with me. And one of my my early uh, memories with my daughter was she had a little friend from school, I'd say little because she was small, who was about a year older than she was. And she had cancer and I had run into her mom one day at, at a park and I was there with my daughter and she was there with her daughter and she was in a, she was probably about first grade or so, but she was in, in an umbrella stroller still because she, she was very weak. She had brittle bones and she couldn't walk around or anything. And I had a long talk with her mom and she said that she, she was kind of sad that her daughter didn't have any friends. And they just lived a, a couple blocks from where I lived. And I was working as a nurse at the time. I said, well, I need somebody to watch my daughter between when school's over and when I get home. And it's like an hour uh, when I get home from the hospital. And she said, oh, I would love that if she would come over. And they got to be good buddies. And shortly after we started doing that, uh, she was lying on the floor and her brother tripped over her and broke some bones and she had to be put in a body cast 
And so she couldn't move much at all. So my daughter made a special point to go over, not just the hour after school, but she'd say, can I stay longer? Or can, and she'd read to her. She was, she was maybe, maybe for, I think maybe she was first grade because she was, she was being able to read children's book and she'd play dolls with her and the girl couldn't hold them herself, but they could talk about, you know, the, how you play dolls. And they just had a beautiful relationship. And when when she died, I asked my daughter about it, if she wanted to go to the funeral. And she said, no, you know, she was she was cool. She spent all that time with her and she was very happy with that. And she knew that she wasn't hurting anymore. And she always was worried about her hurting. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was kind of beautiful to watch this relationship develop between the children. And I think when when we allow things like that to happen, it's really good all around. So you wrote other books, did you say, about besides this one? Yep. So we the first books we wrote together were um, to help children during the funeral process. And we have two two books. Um, One is more traditional where you have the body, the casket, all of that. And then the other one is cremation, just because visually what you see is very different. So very different conversations you know, grandma might look a little bit different because she's not alive anymore versus where is grandma's body? Where did she go? How does she fit in that little urn? Um, there's just a, a different conversation that you're going to have. So uh, some of our goals with that was to just introduce that someone's died and then walk through what the funeral visitation graveside service might look like so that it's it's not so unknown what's going to happen and yeah, just walking them through all of that. Yes. That, that's so wonderful that you uh, heeded this call for something that was needed. And I, I think that's just great. And now Lacey, do you have these books available at your mortuary or? We, we do. Yeah. So there's actually quite a few funeral homes around the area here that carry the book. So they keep them in stock. When they make funeral arrangements with a family, you know, we we can then ask that family, you know, do you have kids? Would this book be of use to you? And most families absolutely are very interested in, in sharing that story with the kids. I I think that's such a good idea. I've, I've always thought that that was kind of a, a missing thing in, in mortuaries when I've been involved in any kind of planning or something. Like, can't, can't you give them something that not just the kids, but the family, something for comfort that they can take home instead of just kind of leaving empty handed. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. So we get asked all the time, you know, do you have any sort of pamphlet or brochure or anything that would be useful? And what's neat about our books too, is we have spaces in the front and in the back to personalize the book. You can write the name of your loved one in there, put a picture, draw a picture, share some memories. So it it personalizes, you know, makes it a little bit more special for the child. Oh, I think that's great. I, I love the personalization. And I also think it's it's a marvelous gift if you're somebody who's, you know, a family who's lost someone that, that you want to do something for the child. What a beautiful gift to give to the child. Probably one of the most surprising things that happened was how many adults reached out to us and said that the book helped them as an adult. Um, you know, as a child, they were not allowed to go to funerals or just had never had a death in the family. 
And now they were experiencing it for the first time. And we were just kind of surprised by that, that there were so many adults that the books helped in addition to the children. Yes. That is important. That's why I write the books that I wrote. A lot of times people find that they they find a need when something's not there for them <laughs> that they needed. And I know with me, there, there's a ton of grief books out there right now. And I really encourage people to write to deal with their grief. But a lot of the books that are out there are memoirs and they they, they need to tell their story. And that's very important. And I'm glad that they do. And I'm, I'm glad they get it out there and it's really good for them. But I was looking for something to help me feel better. And I, I realized that happiness was kind of missing from the equation. So I started writing on that. That's like my podcast is grief and happiness, because I want to put the emphasis on you don't have to dwell in the depths of despair for the rest of your life. You can be happy and grieve at the same time. So it's, it's wonderful that you you found a book that needed to be written and you wrote it and you're getting it to the people who need to have it. And I, I think that's great. And and even with the first books, a lot of that came from real life experiences. When my mom passed away, she she died, you know, 17 years ago. But one of the my favorite things that I ended up doing, or probably the most healing thing for me, was just every year on Mother's Day, I'd plant flowers for her. And that had a special meaning to me because on her last Mother's Day that she was alive we spent mother's day together and we went and bought flowers and we planted them and we had ice cream and, and that was a lot for her because she was really sick. And so that was really like the last good memory I had of her. And so every mother's day I plant those flowers and it's usually petunias because I can't keep anything alive and she couldn't either. So <laughs> they're just really hardy flowers. And so it, it, it kind of makes me smile and laugh and, there were so many other times that were just so dark. And, and that was a piece that really kind of, I think, brought me into more of a, a happier space. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think that's so important. I know right now I've been uh, getting podcast guests that I can have that talk about what they do at their holidays, whatever the, the holidays are, because especially right now, there's a bunch of them coming up. Because it it makes a big difference if you can find something positive to dwell on, and I I just I think the more we share about the the good things that we've done, and I hadn't thought about planting flowers for my, my mom on Mother's Day, but that's a really good idea. I think I'll just start doing that now, even though it's been a long time. I've always had my mom wherever we lived, she always had a rose garden. And we lived in in a place where the weather wasn't really that conducive to roses. It was scalding hot in the summer, and but she always had her roses. And so I've I've kind of maintained that tradition of wherever I am, I have at least a, a few rose bushes, and I always think of my mom when I see them. So it's it's nice to have happy or beautiful or pleasant, fragrant reminders of our loved ones. And I, I think Lacey would probably um, have some really good stories about this and help people incorporate some of those um, things that our loved ones enjoyed into the funeral service or in those uh, honoring and remembering down the road in the, the book with the funerals. 
the young girl, they end up making monster cookies because their grandma was famous for making monster cookies. And so that was kind of a theme throughout the funeral. Um, But just those simple things that remind us of our loved one, like the roses or the petunias or the cookies, or, you know, maybe they were famous for making something or they really enjoyed chocolate cake. So on their birthday, let's have chocolate cake every year, even though they're not here and make that kind of a tradition, or maybe they always did something special at Christmas. Cause like you mentioned, those dates, um, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, they can kind of almost be a, a trigger date for that grief to come on when you're thinking you're doing really well. And then suddenly that date comes up. So I, I definitely agree that finding a, a nice way to honor and remember them is, is pretty healing for me. Yeah, that that's great. I, you just made me think of one that just happened to me this last week. That I have um, a step granddaughter who had always wanted to have a mastiff dog. You know, this looked like horses, <laughs> giant dogs. Because her parents had them when she was growing up. She grew up around them, and she wanted one of her own. And she wanted a certain color. And she'd waited a long time as an adult to find the the perfect dog. And and she had him and. She just posted on, I just saw it today, actually, on, on Facebook, this picture of this giant mastiff with a, a kerchief around his neck saying birthday boy and that he he just turned five. And I thought, well, number one, I couldn't believe it's been five years that she's had him. But I noticed that his birthday was my dad's birthday. And so now whenever I see a mastiff, I'm going to think of my dad and smile. So there's there's all kinds of Little things like that, that it's not going to mean anything to anybody else, but it'll make me smile. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. Well, I appreciate you both coming today to this so much. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people out there that are are wanting to get those books to share with the children that they know that could really use them or, or maybe read them to the children that they know. I think that that would be really great, too. And we'll put the the links to how to get them in our show notes so that our watchers can find them and easily get a hold of the books. And I really appreciate you both being able to to be here today and and talk about this. I just I like it when we smile at the, at the end. Yeah, is it grief and happiness? Yes, it is. We can smile at the end of the podcast. <laughs> You know, and that was kind of, I'll just, sorry, I'll just throw in there. That's uh-huh. kind of a beautiful ending to Goodbye Bella as well, is mm-hmm. they adopt a new puppy. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of like the ongoing theme is it's okay to love again. You know, even though those who have passed on, have died, aren't here with us anymore. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to love again. Yes. I thank you so much for pointing that out because that's that's really important and what a beautiful way to to end that book to plant some seeds to in, inspire uh, some other wonderful dogs. Maybe they'll turn out to be another therapy dog. I have a, a friend with a therapy dog in in my life, and they they just do wonderful things with that dog, with taking them to places to visit people that appreciate them so much. So. It's, it's, that's a wonderful thing to do. Thank you. And I'll be back next week with another podcast with another subject and we'll find different ways we can grieve and be happy at the same time. Thanks so much for watching. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? 
Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.